Today, we are going to be talking about the gospel, one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. specifically the covenant relationship we have with the Father. So what does that look like? What is the Father like? And how does he call us to relate to him? We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt. Because let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So we're trying something different and choosing to live intentionally and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Welcome to the Moo Lily podcast. So I'm sorry for everybody that it's February, but as we record this, it is Australia Day. Yay! I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? So it's like the 4th of July. So we. Yeah, okay. Because it's summertime right now, and so everybody's outside having a barbecue. What would you call that? Grilling out? I would call it a barbecue. And we have fireworks at midnight. Sydney, the Sydney Harbour fireworks are some of the best in the world because they're over the bridge Mm. and over the harbour, and they're just incredible. And um, it's like. 26 degrees here (laughs) (laughs) in fluorine there were flurries earlier today it's okay i might just have to get myself some tim tams and a ginger beer or something would you how would you celebrate australia day at home when you lived in australia so you would be outside you'd either be at the beach or you'd be by a pool and you'd be eating a lot of food i don't want to hear anymore please stop yeah (laughs) you said beach Mm mm-hmm it's cold yeah that's i mean like 90 percent of australia's population live within an hour of the coast so the beach is like a really it's just what you do typical part of our culture yeah do you have good memories of australia day i do very much and you miss it (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) well i have my heart hurts for you (laughs) and me it's a good day it's a good day though i'm happy it is a good day i just felt that i needed to mention it here okay huzzah hurrah we mm-hmm. celebrate Australia. Happy, I'm trying to think of a, of a real cliche saying and nothing's bringing to mind. Good day, mate. Yeah, that's a bit too cliche. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you want me to edit that out? No, that's fine. Anyway, thank you for joining us on the Moolily podcast. <laughs> I'm Christina and I'm here with Christiana. Mm-hmm. And we are currently doing a series on the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of new followers with us over the last few months. And we want you to get to know us, but we also really want you to get to know our heart and what we believe. Yes. So um, last time we were together with my husband, James, we Which talked about kingdom. Delightful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, that's a good <laughs> word for him. He is delightful. Talked uh, about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And this week we're going to be talking about covenant and we mm. will be introducing our special guest in just a few minutes. So what I want to talk about, just briefly hit on... Our wow. sponsor, yes, our sponsors at Root and Media mm-hmm. do excellent things and check them out. Yep. Uh, also, we are on social media. We <laughs> are. Stand to your senses. Um, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook, mm-hmm. and you can check us out on the interwebs at www.moolily.com, which mm-hmm. is M O O L I L Y. Yes, spelled it out for you. So, like Zulily, only moo cows. Moo cows. <laughs> That's what my baby sister, <coughs> Joanna, called cows. Moo cows. I, th- cows. I remember saying that when I was Moo a milk. <laughs> moo milk and moo cows. Yeah, it's okay. That's who we are. Check us out. We'd love it. 
We would love it. And we want to really invite you to give us some feedback. So on the website, there's a little contact us. There's a little form you can fill out. Just tell us who you are. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you like about the web the webcast <laughs> or the podcast would be fine um we, we have a webcast yeah <laughs> we are that cool it's secret yes. you have to be in the special club too uh-huh. um but really we are building our um plan for 2017 mm-hmm. we have some really exciting things that the lord has put on our heart but we, we want to know what's on your heart um if you've been listening to us for a while, we'd love to hear that. What mm-hmm. What are the things you enjoy? What are the things you'd like to hear more of? What are the things that Christiana says that make <laughs> you really uncomfortable? <laughs> are they going to have to itemize per podcast? <laughs> no. But really, if there's something that you don't like. Yeah, we want um, to hear. Like, why did you spend so long talking about that? That's just not even relevant. Then tell yeah. us that. We want to. We really want to know what you think. <laughs> I, I love making fun of Christiana. <laughs> it makes me laugh. She brings the brains to our group so i (coughs) we are very grateful for her (laughs) glad to be here (laughs) okay so let's dive in today we have with us glenn kalo and he is the lead pastor at the gathering network which is the church kind of ministry that my family and i are a part of um he has been in ministry for almost 30 years is that right, Glenn? At least 30 years, probably. <laughs> probably more. I was trying to work it out. Um, uh, doing many different things, working with youth and college ministry uh, as a part of the ministry of Young Life, as well as um, pastoral leadership and currently heads up um, the Covenant and Kingdom Network of Kansas City. And one of the reasons I asked Glenn to join us today and speak into Covenant specifically is because of how well he represents the Father. Um, No pressure. Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) So when James and I moved to Kansas City, we had been in YWAM for uh, over 10 years uh, in a very high-paced ministry and loved it, but were just experiencing a little bit of burnout. And we just weren't interested in doing anything or joining anything. And um, when we met Glenn, he spent time with us. He invested in us, listened to us, invited us out for coffee. We had Mm. dinner with his family. And we knew about, um, you know, the network of missional communities that he was a part of. And we were were very interested. It's a ministry that we had followed for years. But he never invited us to anything. He never (laughs) told us, okay, this is what you need to do. we just felt very loved and very well cared for to the point that we were like, please, can we come to your thing? <laughs> we want to do your thing, you know, or be a part of, of what the Lord is doing. And I just feel like that's the way the Father loves us. He's not interested in what we can do for Him or um, He just wants to be with us and mm. enjoy us and, and allow us to enjoy Him. So, um Thank you for that. Oh, I don't know if I've ever shared that with you, <laughs> but that really was very powerful for James and I. It just ministered a lot of healing mm-hmm. to both of us. So, yeah, thank you for being with us today. Oh, gosh, what a gift. I love what you all are doing here, and uh, you guys were just a gift to us. Um, a number of years before that, that, someone had prayed that we would be getting reinforcements in what we're doing and uh, I felt like when I met you all, um, who are already missionaries, missionary-minded, it felt like real reinforcements to what we were mm. doing, and so, and it continues to feel that way. 
And that's one of the reasons why I like what you're doing here with this podcast. It just speaks of your leadership and impact and influence. And mm. so oh, thank it's you. a joy. Appreciate that. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to know the father? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm one of the people that can't blame their parents for anything because I had great <laughs> parents <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've messed up my life or done the things I've done on my own, not because of them. I grew up in a home where, uh, with my parents knew Jesus, um, church was a significant part of our lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess you could say I really, uh, saw what it looked like to follow Jesus, um, just by how my parents lived. Um, they weren't particularly overt in terms of proclamation, but their life was just something that I kind of lived in that soil. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I felt like I knew of Jesus, knew Jesus through them. And then the gift of a really great church uh, here in Kansas City that um, I think is probably one of the most significant churches in at least the last 40, 50 years here that was so impacted me too. Right. Um, and then uh, a ministry called Young Life was just another piece of the puzzle for me where uh, I think I saw Jesus in my family. I um, got the word taught to me through our church. Uh, and then Young Life was a ministry t- towards high school kids that helped me begin to live out what that looked like in my life. And uh, and I think the gift Young Life has of hospitality, adventure, and joy and humor right. was huge. It's um, just so much fun, which is what young people are looking for. Yeah. And I think it also began to give me a place to to participate in what God was doing and, and uh, opportunity to, to serve and minister. And so... Um, and that, and that I think was a significant piece of as the as my relationship with God began to grow and understand who He was personally, um, and then the the chance to to lead in young life as a college student um, was really significant in my own just kind of growth. Um, so I learned to steal sermons and <laughs> illustrations, and uh, it's a very useful. Skill I took to a have. lot more notes in church when I had to speak at Young Life Club the next week. Type right. of thing. <laughs> Isn't that so true in leadership? You learn more when you're having to. <laughs> right. The pressure is on. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I'm not sure I would have grown and would grow even now today. I, I've always felt like the Lord's had me in ministry because I needed it. Uh, yeah. I needed the, yeah. you know, the accountability and mm-hmm. the, the things that. It challenged me to do. So those are just really significant um, people in my life. I've always felt like I've just had this gift of a, a lot of people that um, were around me or gave me an example of what it looked like to, to follow Jesus. And um, and then was invited to, to consider coming on Young Life staff after college and um, stumbled my way through, through that. Um, <laughs> but again, it just was a part of my my uh, experience of following Jesus and getting to know the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even around the what we're talking about here today, it was also uh, a place where I kind of got lost along the way um, because as I came on the, to the staff in Young Life, um, at that, in those days there weren't a lot of people that did that. A lot of people would say, you can get paid to do that. And, and my right. dad didn't know, didn't think it was a real job. <laughs> right. and, uh, my friends didn't think it was a real job. And as a person just coming into the workforce, so to speak, I think I felt pretty insecure and thought I have to prove myself that I'm, um, I, this is a real job. And so I think I began to just work really, really hard at what I was doing. I'd work longer hours and, and kind of got into the striving thing, um, and began to feel kind of a performance based acceptance about, um, you know, God liked me more if I could 
do more things and I've mm-hmm. got accolades for those things and yeah. in ministry you can get kind of rewarded for yeah. those kind of things mm-hmm. and uh I think 10 or 11 years into I wouldn't have no, used this phrase at that time but I think I just began to burn out um mm-hmm. a, around that and a lot of it had to do with how I understood the father because um, I think I was thinking that it was he was more happy with me when I did well and he's unhappy with me when I wasn't doing well right and uh, that's just, that was a huge piece for me. Um, and so I got introduced to a guy named Brennan Manning and the opportunity to actually go on a, a silent retreat with him, which was wow. kind of a mystery to me, the yeah. idea of it. He's a, it was a, you know, a Catholic priest and a spiritual director and a writer. That's amazing. And I've read his stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I too, had, had yeah. begun to read, as I heard about it, I read some things about him, and, and I just started to get drawn into to I think the message that God had given him around grace and and mm-hmm. so a friend of mine said hey we have an opportunity to spend four or five days in this silent retreat with Brendan Manning um, and I had this combination of excitement and fear actually mm-hmm. about the that experience I uh-huh. had never really spent two or three days in a yeah. silent retreat yeah I yeah. thought well, what's that like being um, alone with your own thoughts yeah, for a yeah. <laughs> long time that is intimidating definitely yeah it felt that way and I thought and Brandon Manning was someone I thought well, that sounds kind of intimidating too mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I realized I think in that going into that experience that my understanding of who God was had gotten a little distorted mm. um, I think I felt more like I was going to get in trouble if I spent mm two or three days listening to him it's like I should you know eventually it's going to be like being called to the principal's right, office and right. yeah. and um you know you get called to the principal's office you generally haven't you don't assume you won something yeah <laughs> <laughs> you generally think so you're in trouble for something yeah and um and I you know I think I was experiencing two things at that time in my life that uh one was I wasn't sure God liked me I think knew he had to love me but I think I'd gotten kind of lost in that and I also began to not feel like I like people. And those two things are kind of liabilities when it comes to ministry. You're <laughs> right. not sure God likes you and you don't like people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that time was so transforming because in that time of just being alone with the Lord, um, I just heard his love for me. Um, mm. I began to hear that he loved me and it wasn't about what I did. Mm. And that, that began this kind of you know transformation again in my heart. For me, just... It's just been these kind of ongoing conversions of my heart of following mm-hmm. um, God and understand who He is and 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 what Jesus has done for me, and that was one of those beginning a significant conversion um, around what it would be, what it meant to have Him really love me regardless of what I did and kind of operating from that place versus trying to get Him to love me by mm-hmm. what I was doing right um, along the way. So, how long had you been in ministry when you sort of? began to have yeah, that I think revolution. maybe about 11 years, probably 10 okay. or 11 years. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of this gradual, um, you know, as they say, sheep don't run off and get lost. They nibble their way to lostness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's, that's kind great. of think what I had done, yeah. you know, along mm-hmm. the way where I begin to realize like those things of my heart were things kind of starting to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't feel like I could go on. Didn't feel like I had a message of joy or love or that was authentic to, to, to others. Um, so that was, that was pretty significant. And then I had a second, I think kind of piece to that, um, uh, was, was leaving young life and asked to kind of help start a church had been part of starting a church along the way. Um, and 
in that kind of in-between time, I still was kind of feeling unsure that God was completely, had completely forgiven me. I just kind of kept feeling like there was, you know, mm-hmm. have I done enough and, and, uh, did he really forgive all the things of my life? And mm-hmm. you know, was I kind of going to be tainted for certain things for the rest of my life? And and it, I can remember this moment. It's just one of these times of prayer. We're on this this little retreat, and I can remember where I was sitting. I guess one of those you know times when God speaks mm-hmm. to you. It just kind of gets cemented in your heart, yeah, heart and mind. And I remember just saying, Lord, is there something else I need to do, or um, are you? really loving me unconditionally kind of thing and these kind of three phrases came to mind um that i just felt like is probably what the lord was saying i just had this i mean it's it just was clearly jesus was saying to me he just said these three things my cross was enough Mm. my cross is enough and my cross always will be enough Mm. wow and those things just came over me uh, those phrases came over me and I just felt like and just began to kind of wash over my heart um, and really from that place on um, that that just comes back anytime I feel like well you know there's something here that God can't forgive it's like my, no my cross was enough my cross is enough my cross will always mm-hmm. be enough and that's just one of those places where I begin to walk more freely uh, in in ways I hadn't before um and where i really began to believe that and live out of that and rest in that and um and not let the enemy fool me into something else that's not true about Mm. that and so those those two experiences of being with alone with the lord and hearing him love me and then hearing about his forgiveness um being so complete um i think began to give me more accurate understanding Mm -hmm. of who god is and and uh what it means for him to be my father. Being a dad has been another one of those places. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite, no question, my most favorite title ever is dad. You know, yeah. of any title I could have. I love, I have two daughters. Mm-hmm. I have four grandchildren now. Um, grandfather's kind of getting up there with the title of dad. I like <laughs> both of those. <laughs> Do you have a special name of you, like a pop or a granddad? Or yeah, I'm pop to, yeah. to my girls right now. Although when they're little, it's some version of that is everything from Bubba to Papa to Pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Papa's, you know, what they, they call so me. So fun. <laughs> and, uh, but, I, you know, as, uh, one of the memories I have about being a dad um, was when I, um, Jessica and Kelsey, my two daughters, Jessica's the younger one. She was probably nine. Kelsey was a, about 11, I guess. And I think they're about that age where you could leave them alone by themselves <laughs> for a little bit, you know. Yeah. They can kind of stay out of trouble. The older one could take care of the younger one. Um, Christine and I aren't quite there yet. And so they were um home and, and we're on our way home and we got got in. This is before cell phones so you didn't get warnings about these things. Kelsey meets me at the door and says, Jessica is sick and we had just um put down new carpet and we I made this know. big deal about new carpet, uh-huh. you know, like, don't you dare even walk on the new yeah. carpet. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. We apparently made it too much of a big deal about the new carpet because so come in and sure enough, she's like just christened our new carpet uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with her macaroni and cheese dinner, I think, or whatever it was. Um, but I don't think I'll ever forget seeing her face because when I looked at her, she looked afraid. Mm. And... um. And she said, Daddy, I'm so sorry. 
And mm-hmm. I realized that she was wondering if the carpet was more important than, than mm-hmm. she was. Wow. And uh, it, it, again, is one of those places that marked my heart in a way to, to, to think, what a ridiculous mm-hmm. idea that somehow uh, the carpet was more important to her. But even in the place of kind of messiness, mm-hmm. the last thing I was mm-hmm. worried about was the carpet. I was even more concerned for her. And, it, and it's one of those memories for me and, and that God has continued to just kind of give me a picture of, of how he responds, what he thinks um, about me as a father. Um, because yeah. I know at that, that moment, it's like, last thing I came out is carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, it just revealed a little bit of maybe, you know, we care too much about the carpet um, mm. as a human father and those kind of things. And so I, I've had those kind of memories or experiences as a dad that helps me know a little bit more what the father, how the father thinks of me and, and how he comes to us uh, regarding um, his love for us and relationship with us and, and covenant with us. So I feel like you've already started getting into it, but yeah, can you talk to us more about... So you've talked some really about how your perspective has changed over the years of what God's like, but can, can you talk to us a little bit more um, of what he showed you and how you've experienced him about what he's like, and especially in the light of being in full-time ministry? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, realizing we, God offers a relationship to us, mm-hmm. um, and that begins with who he is. And then secondly, who he says we are, and then our response to that, I think, Mm -hmm. is kind of a picture of this covenant, what the Bible calls covenant relationship. We don't have a great, too many understandings of that in our current American culture anyway. Marriage is probably the the few Mm -hmm. last, you know, experience of covenant that that we know of. Um, But it really begins with who God says he is, and he says he's our father. Mm-hmm. Um, when the disciples saw Jesus praying and they said, teach us how to pray, Jesus gave them a picture of what it looked like to relate to God. He says, pray, Father, pray, Abba. It's a very intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And so um, understanding that it starts with who God is as, as our Father, and that's how we relate to him. And it's secondly, who he says we are. Um, and what he says who we are is if we've received him, we have the right to be called children of God. And so we're sons and daughters, and we see this again in, in, uh, when Jesus starts his ministry and, and is baptized, and, and God speaks um, mm-hmm. over Jesus and says, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased, whom I love and whom I'm, with him, whom I'm well pleased. And that was before Jesus did anything. Right. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about somehow thinking it was the other way around. It's like yeah. if you do the right things, then God will love you, and that's who you are. As you're a good person, then God loves you. But it's actually the opposite direction, where as our father, he says, no, you're my son, my daughter, and I love you, and I'm pleased with you, mm-hmm. regardless of anything that you do. And then from that place, um, what the Bible calls walking in obedience, um, I think what that means is 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 not this kind of oppressive follow rules, but it's trying to walk in light of who we are. It's aligning our life with who God says we are as his children. Mm-hmm. So... Um, obeying the father um, is just saying, well, just walk as one of my sons. Live as mm-hmm. one who belongs to me, is loved by me, is called by me. And so obedience isn't this 
do enough things to get God to like you, um, but it's really just trying to align my life more to, to who he says that I am. What an amazing perspective on obedience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about my kiddos. We had big wrestles last night over, we call it clean up, clean up. At the end of the day, let's just pick up. Let's empty the dishwasher. Yeah. And hmm. some of my kids are just more inclined to do that. They're like, sure. I don't know if that's an obedience thing or if they actually <laughs> like having order. I think that's part of mm. it. Um, but how different that is to um, like you're my employee and I'm the boss. Yes. You need to go and get this done mm-hmm. as opposed to, hey, it's the end of the day. We're just going to straighten stuff out because we're a family. This is our home. And they kind of get that and, um, you know, this is their place and mm-hmm. their family and their mm-hmm. things. And, and as we're in the relationship with the Lord, we're aligning ourselves with him. We're a part of his family and his culture. And the more we do that, the easier it is to just go and pick up our toys or, yeah. you know, whatever thing that he's asking us to do. It's not like this crazy task. Yeah. It's like we're a part of part of the family. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was my little revelation I just got. I thought I'd share with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and the result of that actually honors you when you when your kids obey you or do the things the things that not only honors you but you it also you know that's what's best for them and mm. so um when we obey god in that way it, it, it's a way of act of expressing our love to him and uh, it's ac- actually an act of worship to him right and so this grace of god as our father saying who we are as his sons and daughters then we walk in this freedom to just live as he's designed us to be, mm-hmm. which then comes back to the Father in love and, and worship. Mm-hmm. If you go the other way around, you know, you say, I, I have to act a certain way, I have to obey in order to get to be my identity, to be built around being a really good Christian or a really good person, mm-hmm. and then maybe God will like me, is 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 not grace, it's kind of law. It's, it's not right. freedom, it's slavery, really. Mm-hmm. You're just always... And that's what I was saying. I think part of my journey was I was enslaved to proving something, getting it right, yeah. not getting it wrong, you know, not sinning, whatever it might be. Um, and then w- if you live from that place, then you come back to the Father in shame, not feeling loved. Yeah. So mm-hmm. your identity is this one of, well, I'd, I didn't do enough. I, I have sin. I have brokenness. And so you go to the Father in shame. And I think that was... I was kind of going the wrong direction uh, with with the father. I was going from this obedience to trying to prove myself and hoped he liked me. And and uh, it's really goes the other way around of the father saying, "You're my son. Mm. You're loved. You're free, mm. and free to obey." And as you do that, I feel loved by God, loved and honored in that process. I can remember when when my daughter Kelsey, the older one, was probably thirteen, fourteen starting to go over people's houses and this was back in the day when there was just vhs video stuff there wasn't mm-hmm. everything that's so accessible now so it's easy, actually easier that's why you guys is raising children right now have so yeah. many more battles around yeah. kind mm-hmm. of what they're exposed to but we we're in the same place at least around that and so we had kind of rules about what they could watch and not watch and so she calls us and says um you know they're watching this movie and i'm upstairs not watching it yeah because you said I can't. <coughs> My life is the worst. And yeah, exactly. That's exactly what she was mad at us. Um, but her obedience honored us. Yeah. And also, we knew that was the very best for her. Mm-hmm. 
And even though she didn't even particularly want to do that, and it cost her in, in some level, it really brought honor to us. And again, it was one of those experiences as a dad, I began to understand my obedience can actually honor God. And it's not obedience for obedience sake. It's actually better for me in, in that regard. Yeah. So that's that's really been helpful for me to, to continue to live and try to live and go in the right direction there. Mm-hmm. I love how you describe um, your relationship as as a father to your children and also looking at your parents and the way they, um, without sort of overtly preaching, mm. they showed you what it was like to, to love the Lord and to live for him. Could you speak to, um, just into a little bit, maybe people that have a really broken view of their father or that person yeah. has mm. actually been a great source of pain for them. Mm-hmm. Um how to process that, how to look at the father and shift that perspective, feel safe in that relationship mm-hmm. when that in in their earthly relationship wasn't a safe place or, or was a place, place that brought great pain to them. Yeah. I think um, real quick, because even though we know it's different, mm-hmm. that God is different than our earthly father, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Right. Our whole view is based around what we've experienced. And I can attest to that, having a father who did not do a good job. Yeah. So it's, it, I feel like that helps, saying that helps validate the people who are going, but I'm trying so hard. You know, I know God is different. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. who have to acknowledge, no, actually your perspective is built around what you've experienced. Yes. And how do we begin to mm-hmm. encounter God and have that shift? So, Sorry, Such, man, I'm just so glad you said that. Such a great question and, and an important point. Because the original intention is we're supposed to get a, you know, a, a, a accurate picture of what God's yeah. like through our parents. That's the kind mm-hmm. of pipeline that's built. So whatever comes down that pipeline is what we get, good or bad. Yeah. And so I think what you guys are identifying and is actually one of the first pieces of, of starting to recognize and be able to understand, I think maybe even cognitively, okay, what I saw and who God is are very different, mm-hmm. different things. Um, but I'm not sure you can underestimate how, um, or maybe overestimate how significant that is um, in terms of uh, how we've been conditioned right. um, around those things. Um, and I don't, I don't think there's a simple, short kind of formula, um, yeah. you know, uh, what to do. But I think it's one of those places where we really need ongoing kind of healing, mm. and you know, um, as awesome as I said, my parents were. There's some things about my experience in there that needed healing and mm-hmm. and even to to this day i'm aware of they're thankfully they're still here still alive still in town we get to be with them a lot and kind of caring for them and so i've been reflecting over my own childhood yeah. being around them and i'm just aware of um of things that i kind of picked up and experienced um mm-hmm. that weren't accurate from that yeah. standpoint so i i think i would just say i'm so glad you said that because i think it is something that's pretty significant and and it's a journey of kind of ongoing progression of mm. of kind of releasing those things and seeing god um in new ways um i think some of my performance-based acceptance kind of came out of mm-hmm. um some of those things in mm-hmm. my own home and so um just to say there's a lot of healing that I think I've had to go through that maybe wasn't quite as overt as some of the more maybe absent fathers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. abusive fathers, those kind of things. My parents come from a generation, particularly men aren't super involved. Um, right. mm-hmm. They're not super verbal. Yeah. I mean, literally, my dad 
dropped my mom off at the hospital to have babies and went back to work. And that's yeah. that's what wow. they did, you know. And so the some of those things about the presence of God or even mm-hmm. verbally hearing, you know, mm-hmm. God's love for me wasn't something that yeah. was necessarily there as, as great as and so thankful I am for all those other things that are there. So um I wish I had a, a, a simple answer no. to what you do there, but I think that's what you just said and what you just mm-hmm. guys have identified is really, really important. Um, uh, but God can heal those things, and yeah. God will can bring, I think he'll bring other people into our lives that help um, give us a different picture, a more complete picture of who God is, more accurate picture uh, of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um and the scriptures tell us that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the primary ways we can begin to get an accurate picture of God is get an accurate picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so spending time in the Gospels particularly and seeing who Jesus is and how he acts and how he responds, I think can help counter yeah. the misunderstandings or the lack of picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus or what God looks like. Yeah. Another question I have. I don't want to open another can of worms, but <laughs> I like cans of worms. Well, we we talk a lot about um, sort of rejecting the idea of like perfectionism, like, and you've spoken to this with the whole performance piece, mm-hmm. like I'm good enough when I have X Y Z mm-hmm. in place, or mm-hmm. when I look like this, or show this, or behave in a certain way that it's like the standard is never. You're never going to meet the standard because it's always yep. shifting, and there's so many different arenas and um, I know one thing in my life that I struggled with um, as a pastor's kid. So I w- was probably in a similar similar position to you where I had wonderful parents um, who loved the Lord and demonstrated so many wonderful things. But the church was like our family business mm-hmm. and we were there mm-hmm. before dawn. You know, we were the, <laughs> the first people to set up, um, the last people to pack up. Yeah. Um, you know, we ran everything. We had people in our home that was like constant service is kind of the word that mm-hmm. we use um mm-hmm. you know and that that question i feel like is is often put out there what are you doing to serve god or what has god called you to do mm-hmm. and that obligation and sometimes the the pressure which is i i think doesn't represent the character of god that there's this pressure to do something what mm-hmm. are you doing mm-hmm. for god and how we can while wanting to be open to hear from the lord what is it that you've wired me for? How is it that I can glorify you? Take that that sort of weight of pressure that I have to do something. I have to be on some kind of roster or turn up <laughs> and get it done in order to f- to be a valuable member of my church community or or whatever it is that um, that we may be involved in. Does that does that question make sense? So are you asking how? How do you counter that? Or yeah, so how can we have a healthy perspective of serving, serving. the Lord? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it again goes back to the starting point. If we um, first spend time investing in just uh, kind of our love relationship with them, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like a um, a battle of where you invest your time. And in the order of what you invest your time. So if it's always, if we spend all our time serving and very little time and just in relationship and devotion and hearing from him and walking with him, then that tends to win the the day. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, I think that 
in so many ways and so many things about our life, the battle is won or lost. The game is won or lost by shifting how we spend our time. Hmm. And, and so if we can begin to shift our time towards investing in, in hearing from God and who he says we are and who he mm-hmm. is, then, then we can operate more out of that place. But if it's serving and activity and busyness and those kind of things, then we kind of live out of that place. And so, right. you know, we, we often talk about work and rest and mm-hmm. we tend to kind of rest from work rather than work out of rest. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think in the same way we tend to, we can kind of like go back to God because we're exhausted from serving or we can serve out of this place of love mm. and hearing his voice because I found the more time I spend with him, the more I get recognized his voice. And then the more I'm less prone to do, to do things that he hasn't asked me to do. And I found some of the greatest release comes from recognizing I don't have to do those things. I can say, no, I'm okay. He still loves me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just found I was striving and doing so many things because I just wasn't totally convinced he he loved me or I didn't hear from him correctly, you know, or didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so it just, I can remember somebody coming up to me. uh, This is when we're at staff another church and saying, do you all recycle here at the church? And I said, no, we don't. I said, well, you should should recycle. I said, that's a great idea. And she said, well, you should do that. I said, well, I don't, no, I don't think I should do that. sounds like maybe you should do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember this freedom of of saying, that's a good thing. That's a right thing. Probably that should happen. I just didn't feel like that was what God was asking me to do. Uh And um, I think being able to say no to opportunity or even Mm -hmm. what somebody else thought, Mm -hmm. particularly people that have a a pretty energetic, persuasive personality, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's a good way of putting it (laughs) certain people are married to one of those people that i at least know in this Uh room here (laughs) um it's really hard to say no to to those those people and i found myself just resenting that i was doing (laughs) this um Mm -hmm. and so i i think it kind of goes back to hearing from the father knowing what he said to us and operating from that place um and and then resting that because if our if our identity isn't built on those things and I just found myself not quite as concerned about them and not carrying around guilt about it or mm-hmm. trying to prove myself. Cause we can say no for not being crushed under that weight of mm-hmm. obligation and need to prove something or feeling like our worth or our identity is tied up in it. Yeah. You can say no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very hard word to say. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's been said, you know, it's easier to say no if you have a deeper yes. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is if you have a sense of, I think God's asked me to do this, it was easier to say no to this over here. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the yes, if you don't have the sense of, and the yes might be, be home with my kids. That's the yes. Mm -hmm. And so if someone calls with a great ministry opportunity, but have this deeper yes, it's like, no, not not right now. Yeah. Uh, Again, I can remember the young life because... Young Life Days, it was a lot of evenings, there's a lot of weekends, there's a lot of mm-hmm. camps and, and, and those kind of things. And uh, I just remember having to, to say, well, how do I say yes to being home and being with my kids and not say yes to every opportunity? In fact, the first year of her marriage, I learned this the hard way because um, I said yes to this ski trip and speaking at that <laughs> camp. And, and after about the fourth trip, I was <laughs> this literally happened, I was saying to my wife, Nancy, I'm, I'm going, bye. Silence. See, I'm leaving. Silence. 
bye honey no answer <laughs> and i realized she was really mad at me and and deservedly because this was like the you know fifth time i was gone mm-hmm. and uh, i was just operating like i always had as a single person right and i hadn't stopped to think i have a deeper yes now mm-hmm. as a married person um and so then it was i had to begin to kind of operate out of that place it's hard yeah being a recovering people pleaser yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's hard every day Uh i feel that Mm -hmm. yeah that that makes a lot of sense i really like that having a deeper yes because i i'm someone that's not good at saying no and i love to do things and help people and um sometimes it's at great expense Mm -hmm. to myself Mm -hmm. and to my family and other things that are sort of much more important to me um yeah i think you mentioned um working out of rest and going to serve out of the place of being in the presence of god as opposed to doing the work in order to get into the presence of god and i think that's also Mm -hmm. very important Mm. uh over christmas we talked about um you know when you're buying gifts or when you're hosting people or you're doing all these things rather than focusing on the event or the the gift or whatever it is to spend time in the presence of the Lord and mm-hmm. to do that, do those things out of that place yeah. as opposed to having to recover yeah. from those things by going to the Lord. And that um, is something that I'm not really good at, that I really want to, to build more into my life. Mm. Um, that, yeah, rather than going to the Lord and saying, I have to do this thing, can you help me? Saying, oh, I love you, Lord. Is this what you want me to do? You know, yeah. and just having the grace and the peace to go for it mm-hmm. with the strength and the grace from the Lord or to just be okay to not do it at all. Yeah. There was yeah. this amazing pastor in Wayne Codero in Hawaii um, and just leads this massive church that they tear down, set up. They don't have a building as far as I know. I mean, there's five, ten, fifteen thousand. I don't know how many in this church. Wow. And got invited to come and follow, kind of shadow them. And I went because I'd heard their ability to kind of mobilize people is incredible. And mm-hmm. and so there's like 10 of us that got to go there. And we show up. And the first day, we have he has journals around the table. And he says, I just want to show you what I do in my devotional life. And I'm thinking, I came all the way here. Of course, it's Hawaii, which wasn't, you know, right. was <laughs> suffering from the Lord. But I really thing. was thinking, no, I want to know your systems. I want to know yeah. how you're doing this. I want to know how you're mm-hmm. pulling this off. We spent the first two hours him showing us basically how he spent time with the Lord wow. and uh, teaching us to journal. Mm-hmm. And this change, this is another thing that yeah. I came back with a sense of understanding and even how to do that. I wasn't even, I never had anybody show me yeah. how to do that, how to spend time with the Lord in this way. I'm thinking, here's a guy, you know, a massive church, you know, s- successful leader in that standpoint and a bunch of other, you know, church leaders that wanted to learn what he was doing and what he decided to show us is you got to operate from this place and that was one of the things that marked me in a way to this day i'd still love to talk about covenant please Mm. i'd love to hear your if you can describe to us what it's like and how we're called to it in relationship with the father yeah i think maybe simply put um covenant is about a oneness of two becoming one and um, so again, in marriage, you have this two that become something new and something one, and God invites us into this relationship with Him, where we become one with Him. 
And I think we take on his identity as one. Again, in marriage, we take on the identity sometimes of another, the name of another. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's about a relationship uh, and a covenant relationship. I think it's Scott McKnight, um, and it might be in a book called the, uh, the King Jesus Gospel. I'm not sure which book, but he mentions the idea of covenant um, is this idea of a rugged commitment to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, and then secondly, it's about being with. And third, it's about being for. And lastly, it's about being um, unto. There's a purpose for it. And so God's covenant to us is this, this commitment to stay, to yeah. never leave us. That's what we see the, the all through Scripture. That's his promise to us. Um, and then to be with us in good and bad um, and through the sin and through the celebrations of our life, God's promise covenant is about, I'm going to be with you. And again, if marriage probably helps us, this is what we're saying we're going to do and be, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to be for you also. And, um, God is for us. He's for our success. He's for our lives being all it's supposed to be. Uh, and in the same way we're for him and all he is. And so covenant is about, I think being for one another, the greatest cheerleader for one another. Mm. Um, and I think being unto something being produced or happening or or being completed, um, becoming something. And so as we walk in covenant with God, we become more and more like him. We take on his mm-hmm. image. We take on his characteristics. We take on his identity in more and more ways to where uh, what Paul says, he prays for his disciples that Christ would be formed in us. And so mm-hmm. the result of covenant is we... we take on the identity and start to look like that person. And then we also in covenant had the resources of that person available. And so, um, as we walk with God in oneness, we had the resources of the kingdom offered mm-hmm. to us, available to us. And, um, that's a totally different position yeah. than kind of being a hired hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother owns a, a, a house in Florida and I, and he rents it out but um, we get to use it occasionally. And one time we went down there and they thought we were renters. Uh, they didn't know who we were. And so they started kind of this checklist and here's what you need to do. And here's what you got to pay this and got to put this here. And we said, it's kind of embarrassing a little bit. We said, well, actually, um, he's my brother and this is their home. It's like, it's our family home. And they went, oh, well, I'm yeah. so sorry. Well, hey, what do you need? Wow. It's all yours. Just, yeah. And it was Everything. this difference between being a renter and an owner. You know, yeah. a renter is like, it's not yours. You got to pay for it. But an owner is like, oh, actually, you have the authority. Uh-huh. Uh, it's yours. And so in covenant, God gives us authority uh, of the resources of the kingdom that's actually ours available to access, to live in, to offer mm-hmm. to others in, in that way. And so I think that comes from that walking in, in relationship with them. I mean, that's my, my best shot at it. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a deep question, actually. It is, very much. How does it differ from a contract? Great question. Do you have thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? That Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to know. <laughs> when it's, and I think because in our culture, marriage is essentially a contract, mm-hmm. culturally, mm-hmm. Cu- cult- if I could say the word, mm-hmm. yeah. it's shifted. The perspective is so different, especially if you're not in church and even as a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, but covenant and contract are very different. Yeah, I think. Yeah, 
it, that's a great question. I'm kind of have to shoot from the hip on that one, but I'd <laughs> say in a contract, the two kind of remain separated, but then kind of this agreement on what they share. We're in a covenant. There's actually this a new thing that's born, mm. um, a oneness, mm-hmm. a threefold, you know, strand connected yeah. together type of thing. Um, and and again, I think there's a there's a new identity in in covenant. Um, that's that's very real in something more than just the physical. Mm. Uh, so my wife and I have a covenant relationship, and there's a oneness about us that's not just a that we share the same resources and mm-hmm. live in the same home and you know share certain things. But uh, as a marriage, as a as a couple, there's a new thing, and I think with yeah. God particularly, um, a new thing is born mm-hmm. in, in that regard, and it's never it's never separated. It can't be separated. Um, so that's my that best was, shot at it. That was awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. That was awesome. Right. So that, I feel question. like that was very insightful. Hmm. Um, yeah. Isn't it interesting? I was just thinking about you and Nancy. Obviously, you're very different people. Um, but how, when people have been together for a long time, they almost start to look like each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, their fashion or their mannerisms or little things because they're around each other so much. Mm. They become like one person. And how, what a wonderful dream that would be that I would look like Jesus yes. <laughs> just because I spend so much time with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just because he's so much a part of my life yeah. and I'm in covenant relationship with him. Um, you know, without having a checklist of what I need to do to look like Jesus, but yeah. just being yeah. with him, you know, that I would look, that we'd look the same. Yeah. That's such that's a so profound. Idea. I think that's just, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I think you just said it really, really well. I think that is what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a rich time. I think we are probably out of time. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add, Christiana? No, just thank you so much for being here. Oh, what a joy. You're yeah. welcome. I love this conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, oh, I could feel the Father's heart. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this is Me who too. I am, and mm-hmm. this is how I relate to you. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. I love what you're doing. Keep going. <sighs> Thank you. We will. So, yes, like I mentioned, please check us out at moolilay.com and let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye, guys. Thank you.